All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's going on, everybody? It's Nick Alberga here. Leafs Morning Take back at it alongside my main man, Jay Rosehill. Can you believe it, Rosie? We're one sleep away from the start of Maple Leafs training camp. How are you, bud? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Long time coming. Lots of BS lately. Lots of distractions. It's time to get down to hockey. So I am definitely excited to get into the real thing here. And shout out to our friends over at Botano as well. I got to ask you off the top, this brought back memories of seeing the Leafs at their alumni classic to kick off the season. I worked at Rattlesnake in Milton. It's been there for like 20 years now. Um, Who was the best golfer on the Leafs when you played on that team? Ooh, on the Leafs at the time. I wasn't as big into uh no, I think Bozak would probably be a little better than him. I think Bozy was pretty good at golf. I didn't uh I didn't get out there as much. I think like right after my Leafs tenure is when I really picked on the golf and, and went hard. But it's always fun seeing the guys on the course to start the season out. I remember going to those types of tournaments and uh you know, you meet a bunch of people, you have some fun, you get out there, and it's kind of the first time the team is like really together. And it's always a fun way to start the uh the season. I think that's why most teams do something like that. My biggest question, can you have cocktails while you're playing in an alumni tournament? Uh, there's media everywhere. Like, a guy's drinking on the course or what? No, we we usually wouldn't there. You know, if it was a different time that of year sucks. or something. But it's it's the first look. It's the first peak uh, <laughs> in a long time. And guys are sucking back beers. And you got to go like a day or two later. And you're doing 
fitness testing and all that, the guys have usually cut the booze out for a little while. But, uh, you know, I'm sure a veteran would have a beer at dinner or something like that. But guys aren't getting after it. It's just the wrong time in the wrong place. Imagine Austin Matthews just fucking gunned like through eight holes, <laughs> just ripping around. Hanging <laughs> around his shirts all untucked. He's mangled. He can't even walk. It's just a bad, bad start to the seas, boys. Dude, that would set the tone for the media all season long to start like that. But these guys are professionals, and clearly I'm not. Uh, speaking of professionals, for the first time this season, we'll have more news, by the way, on our show coming up next week and when we'll be back live. But Frank Saravalli is going to drop by in about 15 or so. We're going to break all, all the major storylines for the Maple Leafs heading into training camp. Obviously, we'll start with Willie Nylander. How do they get cap compliant? There's a lot coming up over the next couple minutes. Reminder as well, if you're just tuning in for the first time and haven't subscribed to our YouTube show, at the Leafs Nation 401, at the Leafs Nation 401, you're watching right now. You haven't subscribed. I don't know what the fuck you're doing, so please subscribe. And you can search us wherever you find your podcast as well. Just search Leafs Morning Taken. Already, Rosie, the, the, you know, season two hasn't officially got underway yet. And the swear jar, we're working on that because I know some people have complained about us swearing too much in the chat. It's too bad. Yeah, you can't make everybody happy. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're getting away from the whole... Uh, TSN style of being on cable news, things are changing, and we'll try to we'll try to only use it when they when we need some oomph beside our, yeah. uh, our sentences. Yeah. But yeah, you got to cut down on those swears. They hurt a lot of people. I know, I know, uh, and I apologize to everybody. Forewarning for this season, there'll be a couple from both of us. Uh, but nonetheless, Rosie, let's get into a training camp, man. Like it seems like just yesterday, the Leafs lost in embarrassing fashion to the Florida Panthers. Dubis gets kicked out. Tree Living comes in, and then. We're at training camp again. So, you know, one of my major questions is like, which Maple Leaf is under the gun the most to perform in training camp? There's a variety of different guys, but let's start with you. Who are you thinking? Me? Well, to me, when you think about training camp and and who that's a big deal for and, and who's going to have, you know, the most pressure on their plate, I always think of the bubble guys. You know, I, I've been in that position many times and, you know, you're a bit jealous. Sometimes you look around at some of the other stars and whatnot and, and they're just taking it as a, you know, a bit of a warm up to the season, get their things going and work on some video stuff and talk to the coaches where you're you're fighting for your life. You know, you're, you're trying to make that that team. That's a year in the NHL under your belt in your career. It's a it's a huge thing. And you're trying to crack that lineup. And, you know, guys like Lafferty and Gambrell, Holmberg, McMahon, Noah McGregor. These are guys where there's a handful of spots and there's more than a handful of guys vying for them. So. Those guys are, they've got a lot on their plate. They've got long sleeps and and they're they're more focused and, and more stressed than the average guy, I think, in training camp. And to try to make an NHL squad when you know that they even say right out front, hey, you're you're gonna be battling for a spot here, and we don't know who's gonna be slotted in this spot. It could be you, but it might not be, and that's stressful. And I always got my heart goes out to those guys that are just battling through training camp and are are fighting like a dog for a spot in the NHL. You must have been watching the uh, the McGregor documentary because you called him Noah McGregor. You mean obviously Noah Gregor, but I, I I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I, I have a simple answer, and it's one player specifically, Nick Robertson. It, it has to be Nick Robertson for me. Yeah. So he plays 15 NHL games last year, two in the AHL. He's coming off so shoulder surgery. He's pretty much become an afterthought, if you can believe it, considering where he was in his first year in the NHL to where he is now. He's not on many people's mock rosters. I would say he's been passed by the likes of Matthew Nyes and others. And he's right there, Rosie, in the bubble with some of the names you mentioned, like Holmberg, Gambrell, Lafferty, uh, Gregor, McMahon. Like, at the very least, Nick Robertson has to outplay those guys. Like, he has to show, 
especially now with new new leadership in Bradtree Living, he has to show that he's Nick Robertson of old. He's a guy who could be consistent at the NHL level. And it's tough to say because, again, he's coming off shoulder surgery. Who knows how long it's going to take him to get back up to snuff. But he really has become an, an afterthought. Like, there's been a lot of conversation should the Leafs trade this guy. His value is nowhere close to what it was a couple we- uh, years ago, I should say. Yeah, things have happened. And I mean, with careers, these things happen. They don't get off to the ideal start. Injuries come in, especially an injury that like zaps like a solid year almost out of your out of your youth, your entry level deal. It, it's not ideal. And to be in a position where you weren't able to make the the full time roster, you know, in in the years that you were healthy, you're, it's up in the air, right? It's 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 uncertain what he's going to do, what he's going to be. But one thing is for sure, we haven't had a chance to see what he can be as a developed player. So that's the risk of unloading him somewhere. And the old Leafs curse could come back up where you go watch a guy flourish. He turns into his brother, Jason Robertson. And oh my God, we had this guy and he had an injury and then we just dumped him because there was no spot. Like you don't want to do that. And, but at the same time, from his perspective, you know, the guys that drafted him aren't around anymore. The years have ticking by guys are looking at their watch going, Hey, are you going to be what we think you're going to be or what? So he's going to be feeling that pressure. And, you know, with that time off, he's going to have a little bit of rust. His timing won't quite be there. I think training camp for him is going to be very important to get all that stuff back up to snuff, start feeling confident, get some exhibition games in, start to show that, Hey, you know, if there's any doubt on anything, I think I need to be the benefit of the doubt guy. I am this guy that was supposed to be X. It hasn't worked out, but I'm still here. I'm ready to go show them something so that if there is a tough decision to be made, maybe this guy can get the the benefit of the doubt just because of his pedigree and where he's sat in, you know, the the pipeline of the depth charts of the prospects. He's He's got to still be up there, but time has been ticking. He's lost some, some essential time to his career, and he's going to want to have a big time training camp and try to make sure he gets one of those slots. Dude, that's the worst thing you can do is try to compare him to his brother. Uh, I think anybody crazily <laughs> trying to do that is just not looking at the ball the right way. Like, I just, I, I can't get to that level. I, I think this year is massive for Nick Robertson. I know he's just 22, but like the fact that he's become an afterthought considering he was trying to crack the top six to now maybe just trying to crack the roster and has been passed by by like Matthew Nyes and guys like that that it's just it's so big and I think the one thing we've learned is his inability to stay healthy unfortunately and there's a lot of players like that in this league so those are a couple guys certainly we're looking at right now but it it just begs to wonder go ahead it's it's potential right I mean you look at this guy and you don't know what he's going to be and and the worry of unloading him is maybe he is going to turn into what we always hoped and thought he would you don't want him to do that with someone else and you'd be remiss if you didn't say, well, what is the potential of this guy? You look at his brother, they're the same genes and they care the same background, same type of people. I'm not going to say he is Jason Robertson, but you would be yeah. remiss to say, what if he, he's got that potential. He's got that pedigree. What if you unload him for take your pick? And then all of a sudden he turns into this stud where the potential of him being a stud hockey player is still there. Unfortunate injury last year. We get it. But that's the scary part of of moving him down the road and cutting your losses with him. And then he goes on to become, you know, a fantastic player with a long career and has lots of impact in the league. The Leafs are no stranger to having that once they let go of people. And you don't want it to happen in this situation is all I'm saying. I got it. Uh, I've just always been lukewarm in general on Nick Robertson. He's a guy who's in that group of players that has to be in the top six like I I don't view Nick Robertson as a bottom six guy and last time I checked the Leafs have an influx of wingers now with Bertuzzi and Domi and Nice and quite frankly I just don't foresee a scenario where Nick Robertson cracks this team out of training camp like he could have a good camp and 
maybe he sticks around, but I just don't know from a cap uh, point of view and a body's point of view. So I think it's likely he's headed to the American Hockey League, but without question, he's a player I'm monitoring very, very closely in camp here. Got to ask you as well about, you know, Brad Tree Living's first offseason as the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, what was your major takeaway? Like, are you feeling bullish about this team? I know it's easy to say that, harder to say come the springtime, but do, do you like what he did? I really do. I mean, it's yeah. uh, everyone wants the the guy in the in the free agency to go out and just sign everybody, and we got them all. And oh, we like that guy; he'd fit with us. We signed him. We signed that guy. Oh, we need a D man. There's the best one in the in the class. We signed him. It doesn't work like that. It's difficult as hell, especially with cap constrictions. And I think that when you look at what he did in his body of work, I mean. There was a week there where we're texting going, we just got Bertuzzi. Oh, imagine we got, we got Domi too. Oh, we got Klingberg. And it's like, nice. It's like all the little boxes that we needed checked. He went off and as best as he could do with what yeah. he had available and the cap considerations, he went check, check, check on a lot of boxes. Do I wish we could go throw a, you know, a Charlie McAvoy in there, or a stud D-man or, a, yeah. you know, a Roman Yossi or something? Like, of course I do, but it just, it wasn't in the cards. I, I would love to bolster the D defense a little bit more, but I think he checked a ton of boxes. Um, I look at what we lost from last year at this point in time to what we have now. I think we are a much better roster than we were last year, and I'm excited about it. I'm bullish on it for sure. Yeah, generally speaking, um, I agree with you. I, I think knowing what we know about Brennan Shanahan, the Shanna plan, if you want to call it that, I can't believe it's been pretty much a decade since Shanahan came into the mix here. But knowing what we did, even after Dubis' Dubis's departure, how unlikely it was that one of the core four was going to get moved, I think all things considered, Trilliving did a pretty good job of changing the DNA of this team, right? I do truly feel the Leafs will be a tougher team to play against in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's not going to be all about skill. They're going to be dragging guys into the fight. I do, and again, the proof will be in the pudding in the spring if we we do see different results. But at the very least, I think it's a different team. I, I think, quite frankly, maybe, maybe, maybe they sacrifice a bit in a regular season to play more of that longevity-style hockey that is accustomed to winning in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I I think Tree Living came in with a plan. That, that That's the biggest thing I was looking at from the new GM here. But you care nothing about the the regular season, right? It's all about the playoffs. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, so that's what this team needs to do. I mean, the 115 point seasons mean nothing. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're building a team. It's uh, I don't know if this this generation, this day and age, this era of the NHL, if we're in, if it's if it's the as drastic, more drastic than it ever has been between the difference in style of play between the playoffs and the regular season, it might be. But there's no doubt that teams that go flourish in the regular season and dipsy doodle and no one's getting hit and they flourish with their skill, they get into the playoffs, it becomes a war, guys bear down, a lot of stuff's let go, it's a lot more physical, it's a lot more intense, and those teams go bye-bye in the playoffs. That's very apparent in this day, this day and age and in this NHL, and I think the Leafs have certainly fallen victim to it in the past, and it seems like they are aware of it, and they've tried to address it, and this team looks more suited for playoff hockey than they have in a long time, and they did it without sacrificing you know, some of their big boys and their big dogs, and, and those guys are still there to, to, to razzle-dazzle and put up the big points and, and have that steady offense that you know hopefully they have room now to do that in the playoffs because they got a more well-rounded team. I think last year showed me everything I need to know. Like the Florida Panthers just got in there, barely got in there and got all the way to the Stanley Cup final. The Vegas Golden Knights were an afterthought. We were all talking about the Edmonton Oilers, how they're going to steamroll to the Stanley Cup final. Round two hits. 
I'm actually in Vegas for that series, and the Oilers had no match for the Golden Knights. Like it, it just shows you truly, and I get maybe it's the land of parody in this NHL world, Rosie. Just get in. Anything could happen. Having said that, I am forecasting a pretty monstrous season for the Leafs, but I, I do like the fact that they addressed maybe how different they need to look when it matters most. And I think some of the snarl they brought in maybe is a bit overrated, but it's a way different team in terms of look and how they look on the ice than it was in the past, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I agree with you. And don't forget the Boston Bruins last year. I just yeah. don't think that's talked about enough. That fall from grace is absolutely mind-numbing at how how off the board that would be for anybody's predictions. It's just it's just wild. And, you know, I agree with what you're saying. I think the, the regular season to me is going to show there's going to be some major decisions be made on are we making a run for it? What are we doing with Nyland, Nylander? Um, the guys that we've talked about, Nick Robertson, are we, are we moving pieces around to add that last little bit? Like, do we need that stud D-man? Do we need some some physicality on the back end in order to go in with to the playoffs with, you know, total confidence in this well-rounded group whatever we're missing it's gonna be interesting come trade deadline after christmas that kind of thing on on what tree living does especially with nylander and with some of the the things that are he's gonna get put on a time crunch here before long it's not now like people think it is but it's gonna happen here this year and to see what happens and what it looks like after the trade deadline is gonna be interesting hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, I say we get some answers right now with our very own, the one and only Frank Saravalli. As we welcome him in for the first time this season. Frank, uh, how's it going? How's your summer, buddy? I'm good. Uh, summer was uh, relaxing. Good to put the phone down for a bit, recharge the batteries and... Here we are. Let's go. I was always wondering what an NHL insider does in the summer. Like, what, what do you do? What do you do for chill time? Go to the beach, play golf, uh, drink a bunch of beers. <laughs> Sounds like right. lemoncello in there. Lemoncello or what? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, went to Italy last summer, had too much. Nice. Probably needed to dry out from that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just a lot of time with the family and hanging out, do things that I don't normally get to do. Binge a show or two. Like, I just. I don't, I don't ever turn on the TV during the season if it's not hockey. Well, I hope you're done with that because it's time to drop the hammer this season, is it not? Yeah, exactly. Let's go. <laughs> Great to have you. Um, we'll start with Nylander because obviously that's going to be the big conversation when Lee Stamp opens up on Wednesday. Anything new on that front, Frank? No, I think they're pretty comfortable from the Nylander camp perspective of let's play this out. Let's see what happens. Let's 
enter the season, see if you can have another year like he did last year, because if it's not going to be in Toronto, it's going to be somewhere else. And he's already a pretty wealthy guy, but will be hitting a, a pretty significant ticket. And it's a pretty exciting place to be if you're Nylander, because you already have some security in your career, right? Like you've made enough money at this point that probably if he didn't play another game next season and beyond, he's going to be okay. And that's important. And it also allows you to take on and shoulder the risk of this season, which is not having that future security in your back pocket that you can see how things unfold and see if maybe you put the Leafs in a spot where they can't afford to lose you. Yeah, and, and that's going to be obviously a big-time story throughout this season, as you know. But like to the best of your knowledge, did, did they seriously investigate anything with the big boys, namely Nylander, on the trade front? Do you know anything about that? I don't think so. Um, I think especially with one more season at this current deal, um, and we'll get to the cap situation in a moment, yeah. but when you look at where they're at, if you have a, a guy who's anywhere close to 40 goals and 90 points, um, under 7 million bucks a year, like you've got to take full advantage of that. So um, I think he's more valuable to the Leafs than he is this upcoming season on the trade market. And then you see how it, it unfolds from both sides. Hmm. Will be interesting, no doubt. Circling back to what we were talking about before with Nick Robertson, what we were talking about how his, you know, his prestige is kind of toppled down a little bit. He's had a couple of seasons where there wasn't really a spot for him. Injuries got a hold of him. Now, I imagine as he's looking at how things unfolded this summer, it's just going ching, 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 ching. Guys that are in his role, quality players, established players coming in, signing tickets, getting sent to the Maple Leafs. He's going, my goodness, where do you think his head's at? And, and where do you think his spot on this team, if there is any, where do you think that falls for this guy? I'm not sure, Jay, that there is a spot on this team yeah. for him. And it's going to take something really special, I think, um, in training camp to basically not be denied and and put the Leafs in a spot where they can't send you down. Cause I don't want to say he's not in their plans. I think he's certainly being given a fresh, you know, opportunity and, and a real shot to make it if he does stand out. But, you know, I, I think part of the situation with Robertson is that the Leafs fan base, and, and I don't, I don't think it's fair to say the team internally, but, the Leafs fan base looks at Nick Robertson probably in a different light than, you know, 31 other teams are looking at him. This is in all likelihood a B-level prospect. And I think you get enamored by certain parts of his game. I think you get enamored by the last name watching his brother take off as I don't is probably not fair to call him a late bloomer, but when you see what what Jason Robertson has done in Dallas that um, you're wondering, can any of that rub off on Nick? And the injuries certainly haven't helped, but um, I think one of the big questions about Robertson's game is if he's not scoring, what's he doing for you? And that's a problem that the Leafs would have to answer or solve for if they were to put him in their lineup on a nightly basis. So um, certainly not saying the door's closed. I just think um, it's a bit of a longer shot that he's someone that breaks through out of camp and is on this team. Well, that's the thing, right? I, I think ideally you want him in your top six. And I, I just all the wingers they brought in, Domi Bertuzzi, Matthew Nice is in the mix as well. I just don't foresee a pathway for Nick Robertson right now. But again, everything can change with a strong camp injuries as well. But certainly for the majority of the summer, Frank, we've been trying our best to do some mathematics and 
Brandon Pritta, man, like has the most difficult job in hockey, but how do the Maple Leafs get cap compliant between now and opening night? Do they have to make a trade as far as you know? I don't think so. I think they're going to be able to figure something out. Obviously, um, you're looking at the numbers and you're saying, okay, Muzzin and Mary on LTIR, uh, Robertson probably down in the minors, uh, Martin Jones, of course, in the minors, one of your defensemen. You, you probably go with an opening night 20 and get as close to the cap as you can to set your number and then figure it out from there. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be close, but um, you're probably carrying the bare minimum that you need, which is one really nice benefit of having a team just across town in the Marlies that, you know, you don't feel like you have to fly around with extra guys all the time because you don't really need to. Yeah, that's true. I noticed like back when I was playing some of the some of the teams, you'd have a, a team in Worcester, Massachusetts, and yeah. it's San Jose's team. And it, you're flying yep. across the continent to try to get a guy and it makes it difficult. But when you're right down the hallway, you can fly a little light and run a little thin with your roster, because if anything happens, you just whistle and a guy comes walking down the hallway. And I think that is one of the the impacts of, of having that set up is you can you can run lean like that. And it's not as, as devastating to run, uh, you know, that close to the cap with that many amount of players and personnel it seems like they are they're getting used to it and they seem to be doing it almost every year yeah and, and by the way like as you're trying to do the math like i'd say noah gregor's got a pretty good shot to win a contract like i think when they see him in camp and i'm, I'm not just saying this because his uncle is my podcast co-host i'm not i'm not forced to on the dfo rundown but i think they're going to be pretty enamored with his speed and if you haven't spent yeah. a lot of time watching him with san jose um, that's something that's certainly going to stand out in camp. They've got some flexibility with some other guys. Um, Nyes, for instance, like even if he earns a spot, he could be one of those guys that's called up a day or two into the season uh, because he is waiver exempt. So there's little flexible options like that um, that they can try and navigate around it that uh, they're pretty reasonably confident that this is going to be no issue. I like your take on Gregor too. We had him on the podcast like two weeks ago and I do feel the same way. I think he's better than what they have already in the, in the bottom six. Now, ultimately it's going to come down to guys like Holmberg and Gregor and Gambrell, like guys of that ilk, but I do agree with you. I think he was sort of tucked away in San Jose and I think he, he brings a bit of a different dynamic to the bottom six. Do you agree with that? He does. And also I think he's probably a bit unlucky um, when you look at yeah. his numbers and you look at, the opportunities and shots that he's able to create. Um, you know, there was a year where he couldn't score into the ocean. Um, and and that, that really, I think, set him back a bit because at the end of the year, you're looking at the goal total and you're like, eight goals, man, that's so disappointing. Um, this is a guy that created so many opportunities and only had a 5% shooting chance. Um, you know, last year, he doesn't really get nearly as much of a rope from David Quinn is a healthy scratch for a significant chunk of the year and still scores 10, um, you know, significantly increasing the shooting percentage. So um, a bit unlucky. I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a 20-goal scorer, but honestly, this is no exaggeration. If utilized properly and playing with talented players, which the Leafs do have in their bottom six, um, I see no reason why he can't chip in 15 goals this year playing every night. Speaking of that 
bottom six, specifically the the fourth line. There's been talk lately um, in Leafs land about, you know, having Ryan Reeves there and how effective is he going to be and why do we have guys like that and you take away from a better player. And I've noticed that the shift away from the tough guy, you end up getting a fourth line of guys who play the top six in the American League and like to score goals and be that type of player, but they get to the NHL. They're not good enough to knock those guys down. So they go down to the fourth line. They go down there. They're not scoring any goals. They're not doing anything. And right. they're kind of useless. And you get these players on the fourth line. It's like, yeah, they're it's what I was just player. saying about Robertson. If he's not scoring, what's yeah. he doing for you? Then then you can put him on the fourth line. And he's just a, a warm body and it becomes useless. Right. So I'd like to I'm of the camp where, hey, Reeves is I don't mind Reeves there. If you can surround him with people who are of the same mindset when you're resting your big boys and you get out there for a shift or two here and there, you better be out there. You better get it deep. You better crash and bang. You better get in their face. You better let everyone be reminded that, hey, you're not fucking around today. This isn't what we're doing here. Not with this team. Not like you used to be able to. Then you get off, let your big boys get back on. And that's your purpose. And I think that's more valuable as much as some people don't like it than having a bunch of guys that are supposed to be top six guys playing bottom six minutes and being completely useless there. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And, and color me absolutely shocked that uh, Jay Rosehill likes the Ryan Reeves <laughs> edition. I mean, uh, who could have seen that coming? Um, I'm not saying he's going to be a world changer. No, but honestly, I think when you look at this team and you look at some of the issues that they've had when it comes to the postseason, I'm not saying Ryan Reeves is going to be a game changer there, but I do think that there's something to be said for the culture aspect um, mm -hmm. that I think that's really why he was brought in. You talk to um, you know Bill Guerin running the Minnesota Wild, and he'll tell you how Ryan Reeves changed their season, bringing him in at Thanksgiving one year. Um he, he's an infectious personality. You could see even just, uh, you know, in any interview he does, but sending a message right from the Leafs golf outing, like that's, you know, we're not going to allow stuff like Radko Gudis to yell at our netminder. That's not going to happen anymore. Those days are over. And I think setting that tone, um, sometimes, you know, you can't quantify that. That's not going to show up on a score sheet. Um, most times it's not going to show up in the standings. But I think it's one of those things that ultimately helps your team win. And when they went through Brad Tree Living takes over, talks to different people throughout the organization, including some players, it's it's clear to me watching that they needed some kind of shot in the arm. And that's what Ryan Reeves brings. Like it, hate it, love it. He's a big guy that is intimidating, that is also... Um, someone that's really well-liked by his teammates. That is, that is a, a very palpable thing when you're playing on a team and you're going into a series or into a game with a team that has nobody and is weak and has no pushback it's it's very noticeable and you carry yourself different and myself as a guy who would go up against anybody I'm gonna watch myself a little bit more and how I conduct my actions on the ice with their star players with their goaltenders based on do I feel like getting this guy in my ear right now screaming at me from the bench and that's goes through the whole team. And when you go into a series with a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs have been in the past, it's easy to be cocky and swaggery and shove this guy and let me grab Marner and let me shove Matthews and let me face wash this guy and let me scream in the goalie's face. You can do it because there's nothing, whether Reeves there's is no in the pushback. press or not, it's just a culture thing. And when that guy's established and says, hey, not with this team, guys are going to realize when you come to Toronto, when they're in town, that stuff's a little bit off unless you're willing to, to step up and deal with the consequences. Yeah, and I think when you – look, the Leafs had to make compromises here. They weren't able to keep all the pieces that they wanted to. They tried to make a push 
to re-sign Ryan O'Reilly. That's the same. It's not, it's a different kind because he, he also impacts on the ice, but in terms of culture, identity, um, toughness, team toughness, things like that. Luke Shen is another guy, obviously. They brought in those – Kyle Dubas, the previous regime, knew that this group, this team needed some of that and recognized it last year at the trade deadline. They weren't able to keep some of those guys, so they had to go find a way to backfill it. And look, is is anyone excited about a three-year contract for Ryan Reeves at age 36, a guy that – is already probably slowing down and has slowed down in a significant way. No, they're not. Um, but sometimes that's the cost of doing business. There was someone out there, I believe, that was offering more on a two-year deal that the Leafs had to then adjust and say, okay, we'll match it or beat it, but we have to extend it into a third year to make the cap hit acceptable for us and our cap structure. That That's essentially what they backed themselves into. But the key is that they recognize the need. It's it's funny because like the rollover. So we're going to see in the media this year, how you're going to, and pardon the phrase from like wrestling, but the heels are going to become faces. The faces are going to become heels. You had so many Duba sites and now you have people backing Brad tree living. And along those lines, they bring in Max Domi, they bring in Tyler Bertuzzi. It's like sometimes in Toronto, we have no idea to talk about. So we talk about long-term contracts, maybe coming up for both these guys. You think it's likely that, one or both of these guys is sticking around past this season or is it way too too early to tell at this point? Can we get, like, can their skates actually hit the ice no, first? No, they what? can't, Frank, no. I mean, why, why, I mean, why? Um, <laughs> is it possible? Is it, yes, is it likely? I'm not sure. Um, I think there was certainly a hope that, um, certainly from the Domi camp, that they could get something done longer term. Uh, that didn't materialize, I think, from the Bertuzzi, you know, ex, you know, experience, so to speak. Um, by the way, both those guys are also going to add a little bit of that element that we were mm -hmm. just talking about. Um, I, and I say this totally reverently and respectfully. Tyler Bertuzzi is a rat and exactly the type of rat that you want on your team. He's awesome. that guy has no fear. Um, when he went to Boston, I called him Brad Marchand light. And that's sort of how I view him. He's not quite as talented as Marchand, but the next sort of tier down and a really good player in this league that also has an edge to him and, and doesn't back down. So I think that's important. And, and Max Domi has, of course, that same kind of spunk, um, not quite, you know, like his dad, but certainly isn't afraid. Um, and I think that's important. I also think, why get hung up on the term? Like, that's if you're looking at the beauty of this Leaf season, just take a look on Cap Friendly and, and look at those red boxes and see the guys that are pending UFAs. People get wrapped up in the term aspect. And I made this point about Austin Matthews when he signed his extension. Sometimes term's your enemy. And you'd like to make changes to your team that you can't because you're locked in and, and you can't do anything. If the Leafs don't find the success that they need to this season in the postseason, you want to be able to blow it up a bit. And these guys, maybe you keep those guys and, and get rid of other guys. The point is you need to have flexibility in order to make that happen. And uh, as we know, they might have a bit of room following this season, and we're going to track that all season long. Frank, uh, great to be back with you. Hope you enjoyed your summer, and it's go time again. I love this. Looking forward to it, guys. Frank Cervelli, of course, will be with us throughout the season.
update on the latest happenings in Leafs Nation. And since we're on Ryan Reeves, Rosie, um, I'm still trying to wrap around like what he can do to impact this roster. And and it's perfect that we have you because you sort of played that role at the NHL level. How can Reeves make an impact? Like I know you talked about it a bit earlier on, but what can he do to make a difference, not only uh, in the room, but on the ice? Well, like we were talking about, those guys are the bubble guys. They're the, the Gambrells, Holmbergs, McMahons. These guys aren't game changers, right? To, to insert one in the other isn't going to make a huge deal, especially when you have a core four like the Leafs does, where all those guys are basically capable of almost double shifting, yet there's four of them plus, you know, nines. And these they're so top heavy in their top six that we like to run 11 and seven forwards and D and they want to get those guys out there as much as possible. That fourth line isn't going to be as impactful as I think some organizations is will be. And you're going to put the best that you can out there and you got to tell them what their role is. This is what we need our fourth line to do. And it's, I think now it's a little bit more old school and I think that the Leafs need this as much as anybody, but you're going to get your seven, eight minutes. We need you to go out there when we're resting Matthews and Marner, get your ass out there. Every time you come near the guy with the puck, you try to strip it and block it, keep it in the ozone, finish your check on that guy, get it deep, run your mouth, be a little bit hard on the guys, let them know that stuff changes momentum of a game. There's nothing that can stand more than when the team like the Maple Leafs gets stuck in the sand and they just keep spinning their wheels and they can't get anything going. And we're yelling, come on, Marner, Matthew, someone's scoring it. Nothing happens. You need that bottom six to go out there and kind of flip the script in the energy. Bang and crash a little bit, get in someone's face, cause a little bit of a scrum, have someone retaliate on you, put yourself on the power play, change the game a little bit. Yeah, go get in a fight if you can, Revo. I think he's running out of people in the league that'll even fight him. He got in like four fights last year. It's not necessarily about that, but it's about the presence and the way you go about it, plus the deterrent of anyone going to fuck around with your team because he's on the roster. That plays into effect too. But that fourth line needs to be more of a fourth line of, of, of yesterday that changes the energy in a game when you're getting stuck. And this team gets stuck a lot. They get stuck in the playoffs. They get stuck where they just can't get anything going. Time gets ticking down. Oh, shit, we lost by one. You need that different facelift to the shifts where you throw out a fourth line that can go out there. They're not going to go score a million goals. They're not going to change everything with these big fights and brawls. But get them out there to crash and bang and get it deep and give those guys a blow and change that energy on the ice. I think that is so palpable, and I don't know if people know that that haven't played at that level. I don't think if they see it, it doesn't seem to be as obvious from watching at home, but I'm telling you on the bench and during that life cycle of a game, it is it is very, very valuable. I just wonder what truly you can bring in 2023 as uh, the resident tough guy. Like, what are you going to tell a guy, hey, stay away from Austin Matthews? Like, I, I love the Reeves edition. I actually think he's got more game than people are giving him credit for I'm just trying to figure out and carve out a path where he can actually be a successful player on the ice. And maybe he can. Maybe it's just the thought of an opponent playing Ryan Reeves and they say, you know, I better think twice about taking a run at Marner or Matthews or somebody like that. Is that it? Well, well, that's the big part of it. Just by adding him, just by him being there, no one's going to be ragdolling Matthews. No one's going to be giving face washes and shots to Marner while he's like helpless out there, right? And everyone's looking around going, what do we do? That's just a, a very 
non-physical team that doesn't have anyone to back them up. And it, you know when you're playing that team. You look at the thing in the you know the pregame package you get while you're sitting in your stall. Who do these guys have? Who have they added? They got fucking nobody to deter me. So I got a little bit extra cocky swagger going. I'm going to go shove those guys around. I'm going to get in their face a little bit. You just have that in your mind where when they got the big boys, I've played against teams where they got a bunch of toughness or at least one guy or one guy that's always willing or always paying attention. I'm probably not going to fuck around too much today. Let's just focus on other things. And then right away, you've got a win right there. As opposed to throwing in a, a McMahon instead of Reeves. Well, what is he going to do that's so good that's going to negate that? And we have been needing that for years. I, I'm I'm sorry. That is just unacceptable to have your big boys ragdolled. It's fucking embarrassing. It's embarrassing to them. It's embarrassing to the organization. It's embarrassing to the general managers, to the coaches. You don't have anything to stop that. And teams go out there and they do it all the time, especially in the playoffs. Bully a team out of there, embarrass them, take control. It's just a mental thing that that he can negate. Now, if we go 11-7 and seven forwards and defensemen, there's even more ways to, to mix guys in and, and leave Reeves out and put them in when you need them and, and use them sparingly. He's not going to play 20 minutes a game. He's not going to score 20 goals. We know that, but I don't think we need our right winger on the fourth line to do that. You're not even going to find a guy that will do that because you've got so much up front. You need to fill the little holes within the game that you've been lacking in the last few years, and that's one of them, and that's why Reeves is here. He's not going to be a you know a world beater out there, but he's going to have value, and I think it's it might even be hard to measure it, but I'm just glad he's there. Any chance the whole Nylander thing causes a bit of a distraction in training camp? Again, you've played in this league. You've been in that room for camp. Any any chance that happens? No, not at all. I don't None? think so at all. These there's there's 25 guys in there all vying for a handful of spots. They've all got contracts. They all want contracts. Um, his contract isn't even up right now, you know? Like, it's not a distraction at all. I think that nothing's going to happen with that contract until the season gets rolling deeper into it. Probably closer to trade deadline is when I think they're going to have to make a decision. But at the same time, these guys are professionals. They've got their own stuff on their plate. They've been focused. They've got their their people they've been talking to, their agents, their trainers. They're going into camp. they got their own mindset for what's got to happen here. They're not going, oh, well, it's hard for me to focus because uh, when I watch TV, they talk about if Nylander is going to sign or not. Are you kidding me? they got stuff on their plate. It's not a distraction to them at all. Guys don't talk about this shit? No. I mean, even if you go for dinner with the guy, you're probably not going to talk about it. He's, he's talked about it with his agent, with his family and, and that type of thing but it's just it's hockey man those guys are out there they're all on a team whether one guy's got a contract dispute or one guy's got a six-year deal or whatever it's just kind of whatever it is what it is guys aren't aren't whispering about it. it's not a big deal to them it's just part of the business and if they sign him then great you'll congratulate him and he'll have to take everyone out for dinner if they unload him then you'll go to his house and shake his hand say love you man let's get together in the summer like sorry to lose you good luck with your new team and and have fun and let's touch base when you get settled it's just what it is and you're you're used to it because you've been doing this for years and years and years from junior all the way till now whoever you are you're not you're not a stranger to having guys with contract issues getting traded whatever the case is it, it, it's just the market i wonder about and again you probably know better than me even though i've worked in this market for the last 12 years you've been in that room you've heard the sounds you've heard how loud it could get but that's just my wonder every day when players show up and maybe they nip it in the bud right away on day one of training camp he answers the questions and they move on but I just wonder day after day after a tough loss and maybe that's not so much training camp if it starts to affect that room and maybe it doesn't because we all knew this is coming for a couple months now but like you can't help but wonder at the very least yeah and I think to your point being in this market and having the media do what it does 
what ends up happening and guys is the guys block stuff out, right? They stay tight within the locker room. They mm-hmm. open the doors to the media when they have to. And as soon as they're done, shut the doors, get out of here and go on with your business and all the background stuff, all the blogs and the YouTubes and the things and the stuff that we do, they shut that stuff off and they block it out. So there's, they're within themselves, they're living their own lives and they've got their own agenda and their plan on what they're focused on. And I promise you the stuff that's going on behind those doors and when they shut it and block all that stuff out, they aren't letting it in anymore. They block that stuff out on purpose so they can focus on what they've got going on. I'd love to have a live mic on a player. This would never happen, but hear what they say about the media. It happened in football the other day and I'm like, oh shit. It was the other way around. I think it was the media member that caught with a hot mic at an NFL practice and player found out and uh, wasn't too happy about it, but I think it would make for a really, really good reality show. Nonetheless, the Batano wrap-up is presented by Batano.ca. The game starts now, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. We're going to look again at the futures market. Again, head on over to the Batano.ca. A lot of great futures pops right now. Let's look at the Maple Leafs total team points for the season. Set at 108, and it's a pick Rosie. Both at uh, minus 115, the over, minus 115, the under. What way would you look? Uh, and I'll tell you first and foremost, they've cleared that number in back-to-back seasons. We're on pace to best it in the shortened 2020-21 season. So would you take the over or under 108.5 points this season? It's a good line. I, I haven't seen what yeah. that was yet, and I'm waiting for you to, to spit out that Botano line. And it's uh, yeah. it's a good line, man. It's a good line. It's set there for a reason. I think just based on the fact that they have beat it the last two years in a row, I believe they are better. I would just take the over since it's even money. and. Yeah. Not even money, but the same as taking the under. And I think that uh, a big part of that is going to be placed on how our goaltenders do this year. If they do anything but shit the bed, I think we're we're pretty locked to, to beat that 108 points this year. No reason not to. I'm with you. And I just went over the statistics. That that speaks for itself. And that's why I would trend towards the over in, in this decision if you're looking at this, uh, this play is because they've hit it in back-to-back seasons. Again, three in a row if you tabulate what happened in the, in the shortened season. And I think this team is trending upwards. And on top of that, I think the division is significantly weaker than it was a year ago. When you look at Florida, some of the injuries there, the Boston Bruins losing Krejci and uh, Taylor Hall and 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 Bergeron, among others. Uh, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lighting lost a lot of their depth. This division is there for Toronto's taking. I think the President's Trophy could be in play as well. But we do say that every uh, preseason and offseason heading into the season. And again, ultimately, it'll come down to the month of October, if you can believe it, where the Maple Leafs always seem to start off dog shit. So if they can do it the other way around this year and not have a dog shit month, maybe they j- just smash this over. So I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. So training camp, Rosie, it's here, man. One more sleep. I wanted to get everybody prepared and and a little preview out there before we get going for real here. Love it, man. It's exciting. We're ready to get on track and start... Uh... Dropping the hammer with this season. So it is exciting. Looking forward to it. Waiting for our healthy debates in the month of October where I just shit on the team for losing to Arizona. You know what's coming. They're going to lose to somebody bad. I'm I'm already liking the Montreal Canadiens in the season opener. Montreal always has Toronto's number. They always score the first goal of the season against the Leafs. That's a given. But we'll make those plays when they come about. Excellent stuff, Rosie. We'll talk soon, buddy. You betcha. The one and only Jay Rosehill. I'm Nick Alberga. Again, more news coming up next week on our official launch for season number two. For now, make sure to subscribe at the Leafs Nation 401. Search Leafs Morning Take wherever you find your podcasts. And once again, last but not least, many thanks to Frank Saravalli, our guest today, and also Aaron Bordado, our producer extraordinaire, putting us on the air and keeping us on the air. So that's always fantastic. We'll talk soon and enjoy day one of training camp. Take care.